Thank you for tuning in to this bonus episode of our podcast. I'm very happy to tell you about this place that we call corporate. Alyssa and I moved into the ring day one. We are OG and we are very excited about it. This space is eco-friendly. It's flexible. It's a smart work environment, meaning they got high tech technology. Okay. It is designed to enhance human performance, productivity, and well-being. Well, what more could you ask for? So because this is a bonus episode, it's a tour, actually, okay? I snuck my phone into the tour of what she was doing, what Janelle was doing with the executive team of the city of Largo. As she walked around, I was recording. So it's not perfect, but it's certainly informative. So if you wanted to know what a well-certified collaborative workspace sounds like, well, you got it. Enjoy. The center of the ring is actually the room that you're currently sitting in. Um, above and beyond well-being, it was also about retaining talent in downtown Clearwater, fostering an innovation ecosystem within this community. And by that, what we aim to do is target the startup culture, identify the entrepreneurs, see how best we can provide the amenities, the resources, the tools to take them from where they are to essentially where they're hoping to be. So you're sitting in basically, like I said, very eco-conscious space. Uh, all of our walls are actually cork. Cork has a natural uh, propensity to repel mold and mildew. We also used it uh, essentially as a sound dampening. We're still trying to get this optimized. Uh, we have some things called standing waves, which is interesting because now that you're very centered in our room, I don't hear as much reverberation. But those are the we heard nothing oh, outside good. in our office, right. and we're pretty close to you. Yes, I could yeah. not hear them. All. Yeah. So good. So it's working to some degree. Yeah. Um, above and beyond that was also technology, the integration of that, the tracking of that data. Why that mattered for us because we wanted to be able to scale efficiently, and we wanted to better understand how individuals work. So at the very center of the ring is the individual. Nature, people, and technology is literally the three buzzwords that we use. And we do that by making sure that the asset number one is taken care of. So let's create a healthier environment. Let's eliminate the toxicity within the room. So things like our floors, if you realize they're unfinished and they're very matte, in essentially concrete, they oftentimes seal it with a kerosene base, uh, the couple other components there. If you remove that, it makes it highly absorptive, but then just think about it, inhaling gas all day long pretty much will hurt your respiratory system, if not today, definitely long-term. So we remove that from all of our concrete. Mm -hmm. Hopefully that's a fun fact. Wonderful, <laughs> didn't know that one. Awesome, so things like our paint seem very simple on the wall. There's a reason why we're very light and airy within our space. Um, we focus on light reflective values, that we wanted the ambient light to completely reflect within our space. So we have, we sit basically at a 96, which it's a long math equation, but either way, it's very light, it's very airy, airy, and it also is devoid of volatile compounds. So again, oftentimes it paints, they mix these acrylics, these lacquers, all these different types of things, and then you end up with this very chemical, pungent smell when you're painting the walls. This was one of the few spaces that I've gone into as a construction site where all of our individuals, they were without masks. We do, of course, mandate that they wear them, but when you walked in, it was completely clean. So those are the things that one well mandates, two that we sought to be sort of imperative when you talk about health and well-being. It wasn't just about, okay, you have to go run and exercise. On that point, we do not eliminate it within our environment. All of our offices are equipped with ergonomic stand-up desks. 
very interesting, yes, stand-up desk, um, is the culture that comes from that. So when they kind of see us, and hopefully you've worked standing up, Sharon. Mm -hmm. I have. Awesome. We realized that our culture and our community was also standing up as well. Fun fact about standing, they actually recommend that you don't stand for longer than two hours because then you start to get very antsy and um, that discomfort settles in. So we recommend that you do this sit-stand motion. So things that we integrate in our workspaces that say, hey, you know, take a break, sit down, focus, and essentially allow your creativity to flow. And again, at the very premise of it was sort of creating a very clean environment so that the allergies are gone, the sneeze is gone, you know, the headaches are gone. I'm going to jump all the way now to our very new development. Harvard University, because of this space and because of what we were doing in downtown Clearwater, is a 1974 building, so just think about it. There's so many things we had to get rid of in this space, above and beyond air and uh, ceiling and everything like that. We took it down to the envelope, and then we said we're going to construct this very clean, green environment. One of our co-founders, Sini Ikayas, partner of Daniel's, uh, essentially is attending Harvard to study sustainability. It's a passion, it's a lifestyle for what we do. I'm very passionate about the environment, she's very passionate about just everything else, health <laughs> and that. Um, but long story short, they said, hey, you know what, we want to start, you said that if you could create a green environment, cognitive function is improved. So there is a long study that has been going on within Harvard. They're doing a thesis essentially on the impact of green buildings on cognitive function. We are very blessed and very lucky to have been the only space in Clearwater, the only space in Florida, um, the only co-working space in the nation, to essentially be part of this study. So both Sharon and I are equipped with I mentioned it before, but you awesome. said it a lot better. I believe you would all agree. <laughs> no, great. Um, so for that purpose, they look at things like our sleep pattern, our activity, and they want to see, you know, are you truly more productive? Because we don't know. That's the truth. This is a living lab. It's a true prototype. Just about everything we do, and that's why I'm always so careful, is being tested on. I have no problems when the light fails, because guess what we just learned? That we can script our lights to our printer. Very new dynamic. It was very innovative um, development. Uh, but kind of going back to that Harvard study, yes, things like circadian pattern and sleep patterns. They want to see when you wake and rise, does it really get better? Do you get more eager and inspired to come to the workspace? And that's what we believe we have created here. That once you draw, sorry, draw in individuals, you bring them into a very natural, very balanced environment, you walk in very cool, calm, and collected, you provide things like the sleep pods so that if the day gets hectic, you take a break, because it is about that balance. And to see really and truly, can you start grossing a thousand and then hopefully leave with a million at the end of the year? That would be great for everyone. Um, so yeah, that was one dynamic. The other component is this innovation ecosystem. I'm very happy and very proud that you've introduced the city of uh, Largo to this space. We did a short uh, tour with another Lauren. I'm sorry, she's not here. but um, And they were very inspired. I heard that you guys are building new spaces. We want to raise awareness for green buildings. We want to raise awareness and educate. That's what we talk in all of these sort of like technical terms because for us, it's not about just selling a membership. It's not about selling a workspace. It's about shifting. It's about disrupting to some degree, even this model of co-working and uh, making uh, for our members and of course anybody else to make more informed decisions. We have lawyers in our space who now take that extra time to look, what is in that art piece? Where does it come from? Where is the revenue going? How does it get disposed? Because all of these things are the full product life cycle, is the full life cycle of Earth, 
And um, for that, like I said, I'm very passionate, obviously, about the project. Um, yeah, we'd be, like I said, kind of coming back down to the environment, health, and technology. Technology is how we power everything. So that's some of the things I'd love to walk you through yes. so that you can see what I've just heard. <laughs> the sensory interaction with our environment. That's why we encourage people to touch things, to smell things, because it's about drawing your memory back to what is that experience. You can have a meeting, it can be very long, it can be very jaded, but if you remember something, <laughs> <laughs> about your, well, hopefully this was not a very jaded meeting. <laughs> but either way, that you'll be able to take away the facts from that meeting. You'll be like, yeah, I remember I was sitting in that room and this was the smell and this was the lighting, this was the color, and now you've retained that information. So Greenhouse is indeed one of everyone's favorite rooms. Uh, it's very small, it's very intimate. Um, it's meant to be a huddle room. Uh, or a room you can write a book in, because I so wrote a book in there last week. Sharon wrote a book in there last week. All the people who rent space here can use this when it's available. Yes, okay. all of our conference rooms are accessible by every level of the membership. Okay. Um, we have several different types of membership. At the very basic of it, because I'll run you through it very quickly, I know you all probably eager to go home. Um, it's $45, and then it steps up to $99, which we're about to see right now what that looks like. And our succulents are in the window. Yep, reclaimed teak. Reclaimed teak. <laughs> Very nice. Sharon mentioned that there's no animal products. We do aim to be cruelty free. Um, so there's no leathers, there's no wools. Um, even cotton, when you look at where we're harvesting or where we're using those products from, things like our foam boots, it's actually lined with newspaper and bamboo. Uh, these people go through very rigorous checks as well. We have about three levels of verification for our products. So one of the issues that they have is privacy and sound. There's a lot more solution in those environments with a lot of people. Um, so this helps dampen it within this particular space. Uh, sensors don't keep going off. So what I love to pull out from this cork, above and beyond that it's flown in from Portugal, was one, one of the owners actually chose it himself. Two, is that they actually smoke the cork. So in order to create a very pungent smell, mm -hmm. this goes through a very rigorous process of smoking, and then because you want to clean it, <laughs> they also wash it in reverse osmosis water. So you get very um, neutral pH levels, of course, just naturally. And then, like I said, it's beautiful, so it's also inspiring. You think about movement within the space. Like I said, for us, everything in our environment is about triggering that sense, triggering you to remember what did I experience there so that you pull away from your meeting some sort of fact and take it with you. Uh, so above and beyond, a conference room. This is also a ping pong table. It's a ping pong table. <laughs> so, <laughs> so for play. Um, this room to give the light demonstration. So lighting is very important. Um, how we live and how we work has been affected by the built environment. I work until two o'clock in the morning. My circadian pattern is completely off. Circadian pattern basically is bluntly said: you're supposed to rise when the sun rises because we've evolved, and relax when the sun sets. Your ciliary muscles, your joints, everything winds down. Love to use the iPhone as a perfect example of that. There's this night shift toggle that we often don't use, and that, of course, is to reduce the strain on our eyes, um, bringing in those warm colors. So right now it is warm. I'm going to go ahead and take this all the way up to 5,000 Kelvin. And why is it 5,000 Kelvin important? Naturally, in the daylight, our body is supposed to produce that serotonin. It's supposed to say, hey, feel energized, feel happy today, um, because the sun is up and it's rising, and that's supposed to help you get and kickstart your productivity, improve that performance naturally. Above and beyond that, we can also dim our lights. It's not going to dim that much. Well, there, there we go. 
Um, it's because it's also daylight harvesting. So going back to that sustainability and that energy efficiency, all of our lights that absorb the ambient lighting will also dim automatically. We track that data, again, it's about scale. So we wanna see how much are we really spending? Cause they can run metrics all day long until you see the data you don't really know. So yes, that's about it for this talk. <laughs> in terms of pricing, by the way, um, while we're here, so something like the rig room that you stepped into, that was about $100 an hour. All our private office members, however, get built into their membership plan a certain amount of hours, a certain amount of credits. Credits are our currency within our space. One, sorry, one credit's $5, so if you can think about it, that would have been 20 credits. But you also have 10 hours of conference room time. If you have a larger office, of course, you're staying more, paying more. We take that number and multiply it by the desk. So in terms of value, what you're looking at is five by 40, that's $200 right back to you in terms of conference room time. Um, you take that number and then you multiply it again, you're at like 160. Um, so for us, again, it's kind of bringing up, sorry, credits. <laughs> so take that and multiply it by five. Um, we wanted to give back the value to our members. Uh, the reality is, is that hopefully you break even pretty fast. That takes a lot of stress off of me. But it is, again, about the entrepreneur within downtown Clearwater. We want to be able to support this revitalization. We're not affiliated, but we are very diverse. Um, just about everybody on our team is from some other part of the world. I don't want to say it's by design, but it is very impactful because it allows us to see uh, workspace, it allows us to see how we interact from very different perspectives. I'm from the Caribbean. Um, Daniel's is from Latvia, Cindy's from Bangladesh, we have people from Nigeria, um, <laughs> Russia, just about everywhere. And again, it's about sort of understanding, well, how do you want to work? And if you don't agree with this, why? Um, I can actually challenge uh, our CEO, not I'm the CEO, but <laughs> I can challenge him. But that is a dynamic that we welcome because from that, you foster innovation, you foster creativity, and you come up with the best resolution. So even within the space, the dynamic is very calm, but the ring was meant for that ultimate pitch, that ultimate fight, channel your inner fighter spirit, and we get some solutions. <laughs> I'm sorry, brushing When you talk about supporting, that piece was produced by someone in Largo. Peter Erde, uh, consider him a woodmaster. I think we've been through a little rigorous test, but we pull out creativity like that. Um, and it's, you know, obviously it's the yin yang, so our twist on it. But um, it's about that balance. And like I said, utilizing the local talent here. This is the room we call Senses. This is a, if the space is a prototype, this is a true prototype pilot. Um, what we wanted to focus on here was lighting, smell, and sound. So what we hope, sort of inspired by a car designer, um, he usually set the tone before his meeting, Ronnie's on if anyone's a car fan. Um, either way, is that through the triggers of your, you know, these specific senses, that you're able to remember things a lot better. Also, colors like red, peak alertness, Colors like blue sort of wind you down, you get into that white spectrum, and then essentially you peak and alert, uh, yeah, alert pretty mm -hmm. much. Um, so long story short, you can come in and customize uh, the colors. If you have a brand, obviously if it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month, you come in and do the room pink. Um, I would have to walk around to scan the room for our devices, but either way, above and beyond that, ward is also a touch. Um, these little devices, why I like to call attention to them, a lot of the time we have technology, we don't utilize it because you go, it's expensive. This was not very expensive. Expensive to do the integration, not as expensive to procure. Why it helps is because in terms of productivity, you can sit down and then just beam all your notes right to your members in the room. They walk away not forgetting anything. Um, so for that, we kind of like to utilize a lot of these little tools. Um, and then basically, you know, you can go on the web. So this, for instance, would have eliminated some of <laughs> the pains of using only Mac in that room, but it is powered in different spaces. So yeah, that's, that's about it for 
for this room. So it inspires a great think tank. Yes. In a room like this. What you're smelling is white, uh, I think it's white lavender. Um, yeah. Levels below, I think it's uh, 35 decibels. Wow. So yeah, so in terms of noise, pollution, and control, the glass, the drop ceilings, all of this was designed to keep it at that 35 mark. But you don't but, inject sound into certain rooms like background music? There, or... We do actually have music. There's <laughs> speakers all over. I think just today we had put it on. <coughs> um, and then above uh, specific offices, we've made conditions for white noise speakers. We'll see how bad it gets, but it's a very easy thing. Everything's mm -hmm. PoE, so but it is in the plenum. <laughs> I think it's important that you tell them about how integrated the technology is. So I use my smartphone now to open the door. Mm -hmm. I come in on the weekend, I can open the door using my app. I mean, I can print from my phone. If I have a document saved in, say, Dropbox, I can just use my phone and, and print it to a wonderful Super machine. Cool. That is, it does work. Um, there's, it's been amazing that the, I love when you talk about the entrepreneurs. I mean, you think about people that are just starting out in a business. I don't know if you know this or not, but they're broke. <laughs> yeah. okay. okay. They're really doing it right for the entrepreneurial community as well, to inspire people to uh, to join this community. Awesome opportunity to bring up City of Clearwater. We were the I think the only um, recipients of the grant incentive program for downtown Clearwater. Obviously, we are wishing to have this platinum certified at the end of this project. Um, we know we're at Silver. They came in and did the inspection, and they were kind of like, okay, so we're definitely in California right now. Um, so that's a good thing. It's good feedback for us, obviously. But without the city of Clearwater, obviously, we wouldn't have been able to make as much possible. We took the money and really invested it into the technology. We wanted to give them hard data because mm -hmm. <laughs> money is obviously the bottom line. We kind of say we offer it on a triple bottom line. It's about the environment. It's about the social aspect and the impact that we bring. But, you know, numbers is what they're going to respond to probably the fastest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Any questions? It's in that, yeah, but we're yeah. testing right now. So that's actually, yeah, ERA, um, they, they actually use microchips, which is kind of crazy. Like, they can see the smells that are coming in and the pressure. I mean, it's, it's all app-controlled as well. Okay. But, yeah, they came at these smells. It was very hard to get something that was eco-friendly. We looked at essential oils, but then you think about how it affects you, everyone has different triggers. Um, so in terms of the scenting, yeah, uh, certain so. essential oils just mm -hmm. weren't used. Also, those... Um, uh, basically the oil starts sticking to your walls and everything and it leaves the smell mm -hmm. so then you get it muffled but this diffuses completely um, brownie emotion takes its <laughs> its course but um, it's also water based so it's just our research a little bit <laughs> <laughs> yes. I actually wanted to try to manipulate the light sometimes it likes us sometimes it doesn't yeah we've got some smells that need to be <laughs> <laughs> well you said that your allergies you felt Yes, I felt so good today. I haven't had my allergy headache. I haven't had the sniffles because I'm allergic to dust mites and probably light rape will come. But
everybody. Thank you for tuning in tonight, today, whenever you decide to listen to this podcast. Maybe you're running at the gym or flat ironing your hair like I do when I'm listening to podcasts, ladies. I am going to talk tonight about mental health because it is tonight here in Tampa Bay as I'm recording this. It's about 6.25 p.m. I'm on my way to my dear friend's engagement party. Congrats to you, Jessica and Mike. And I have really been spending a lot of time lately listening to the messages that I'm getting about continuing to carry on with this conversation. So I decided to put on an event on uh, May 23rd. As you may or may not know, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and the event that I am going to host and speak at is at The Ring, which is Alyssa and I's uh, new collaborative workspace, also the first well-building in the country. Okay, it's the second. I like to say the first, but it's actually the second. This is one in Boston. Because I'm a New Yorker, it's very hard giving them credit, but kudos to you, Boston. So on a more serious note, I want to just give some insight as to why I'm doing this, why I'm talking so much about mental health awareness and what the heck I've gotten myself into, because I really do sometimes go back and forth about it uh, based solely upon some of the things that people say to me, but I'm moving forward because I do believe that if there was somebody such as maybe, I don't know, me to tell me when I was in a depression that it actually could and would get better and that it actually was a disease. And the fact that I was considering committing, not committing, I've learned that you're not supposed to say committing suicide because it sounds like a criminal act. So I'm trying, you know, it's all these things I have to remember. There's a lot of talk about mental health and suicide awareness and all that these days. Well, I'm just going to speak from my heart. I'm not going to think too hard about what I'm supposed to say politically correct or not. I've never really been politically correct. So I hope you appreciate that about me. If you don't, well, then you should probably turn this off now and listen to a different podcast because, um, I was the one that wanted to kill myself. How about I just say that, right? I wanted to die. That does not feel good saying. None of it feels good. It's, uh, you know, like a totally different scenario, but it's like the word stepmother. I'm also a stepmother. Stepmother doesn't have like a, a nice ring to it, but you know, that's, that's the fact. That's what it's been branded as. So I wanted to talk about it on the podcast tonight, and I'm doing this event for one very big reason, one very big reason, that it's time. That's really the reason. The other uh, things that I've come across throughout my 20, almost five years of sobriety, and um, it absolutely was the fact that I stopped drinking and doing drugs that I got depressed. I never got depressed Uh, when I was drinking or getting high because I didn't feel anything. 
because I had a chemical inside of me. And then I learned later on when I was working with a therapist, actually my dad's EAP counselor, Ben Figueres, who I owe my life to for talking to me every Tuesday in Manhattan. Uh, he told me that I had a chemical imbalance. And when I removed the drugs and the alcohol and I was left with myself and my own thoughts, they weren't good. And uh, probably one of the reasons I stayed pretty high and pretty drunk from about the age of 18 to 21 years old. With some intermittent stops at some rehab facilities in different states, one New Hampshire and one in um, New York, upstate New York. Poughkeepsie, New York. That's what we called it. Poughkeepsie. That's what they called it in Poughkeepsie. Poughkeepsie. So anyway, I digress. I'm talking about mental health um, and doing it on my own because what I've witnessed is very interesting. And I hope you spend some time thinking about this the next time maybe you're listening to a conference, you're attending a conference and you see a panel of maybe MDs, uh, psychologists, uh, people that have therapists, you know, you know, a clinically professional panel. It's very, very rare. It's actually never happened that I've gone to one of those. And I saw somebody that was just like a regular person, such as myself. There are no initials after my name. There are some before my name, Mrs. M-R-S dot Sharon Feckney, but there's nothing after it. So why would I be asked to sit on a panel or, you know, really to speak at an event? Um, I don't, you know, I don't have the credentials, I guess, but it's ironic because I feel like I, I really have some serious credentials. I survived it and I've been able to maintain it for, um, it's been 24 years since I took an antidepressant or put anything in my system. And, um, I got a lot of help and everybody gets better differently. And I'm going to share my experience about what I think helped me um, on this podcast tonight. And then I'm going to share a little bit more about it at the event on the 23rd. And if you are interested, we'll put the link up if you're in Tampa Bay. Um, it'll be in Clearwater. If you're interested in joining us and having a very candid conversation about mental health and mental health awareness and how we can make a difference in preventing some of these suicides that we hear of very often today, unfortunately. So I, ugh, what do I want to tell you? I, I want to tell you that I've heard a lot of um, really silly, ignorant comments surrounding suicide. And one of them, one of the main ones is that uh, that's such a selfish act. Well, I want to be um, one of the first people maybe to tell you that we are actually thinking we're doing you a favor by leaving the planet Earth. Uh, and the only reason that we didn't do it sooner was because of the family or because of the people that we loved and we didn't want to hurt them. So when I hear somebody mention, without knowing anything about somebody, that it was a selfish act, it definitely hurts my ears to hear. I do have empathy, though, because I realize that it's just a lack of education and a lack of understanding. So 
That's why I want to talk about it. Because as I started to mention earlier, if there was somebody like me to tell me that I was going to be okay and that I was going to end up married, happily married and have a wonderful stepson and, you know, um, direct a, a company in New York with a team of wonderful people and work with physicians and speak at conferences and I would have told you you had lost your freaking mind because I really felt like I could be locked up in a mental ward and I would have been okay with that because then I wouldn't have had to explain to somebody how I felt. I didn't know how I felt. I was sad. I know that. And I didn't want to be here anymore. And that is a, that's not an easy thing to say. It's not an easy thing to hear. It's not an easy thing for me to talk about with my family. I would assume if you've had these types of conversations, it hasn't been easy for you either. Because one of the other um, one of the other effects of families when they lose somebody is they think it it has something to do with them or it's their fault or they did something wrong. And um, and I've heard that myself from my own family, and um, it had nothing to do with them. I couldn't come from more love. I couldn't come from more security and happiness. And I just, I was just depressed. I had an addiction problem. I was, I was an alcoholic. I am an alcoholic. I wasn't was because if I, if I wasn't an alcoholic, I would uh, drink some champagne tonight at this engagement party. <laughs> that um, somebody asked me if I knew which kind of champagne Jessica would, would like, which I thought was comical because I don't drink champagne and this person knows I don't drink at all. So why would you ask me that? But it's funny. <laughs> I guess I, I, I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't, I don't look like somebody that could have been an alcoholic. I, you know, I have been very blessed since getting sober and the depression being lifted that I'm a very, very happy person. But that, that has not come without a tremendous amount of work. It's the same as when we think somebody's an overnight success. It's, it's because they've been working their butt off to get to that place. And that's really what it was like for me to get to a place of happy. And there's such a great intersection between how I have lived my life in recovery and how I've run my business, not just my business, but other people's businesses before I opened my business six years ago. And then I opened a second one a year before that, a year, yeah, just a year ago, I should say. So all of the things that I've applied with, sorry, I am driving. I know you're hearing background noise. It's me driving to St. Petersburg. <laughs> but it's better than going over the bridge to Tampa. I can't wait to see everybody from Tampa tonight complaining about driving to St. Pete. Haha, <laughs> I love you guys. So anyway, I digress again, but I really think that there's a lot to be said about people that just be who they are and talk about their struggles and talk about how difficult something might have been to get to a certain place, whether that be in life or in business, you will connect with way more human beings. Uh, it happened just today and it happens a lot. But, you know, I had a meeting with somebody, I had no idea. It was, we met once at an event. He has a business. He works in the healthcare industry. He thought maybe it would be good to connect. We started connecting. 
I feel the conversation is going into too much of a salesy type business way. And I interject about how I'm a recovering alcoholic and drug addict just to loosen it up a little bit. And then I find out because now he feels comfortable sharing with me about the problems that his mother had um, as an addict and suffered from mental health issues. And then all of a sudden we like each other as humans, right? Isn't that great? And now I will think, no, I really like that guy. I should probably send him some business. So business and um, life intersect all the time. I remember myself saying years ago, it's not personal, it's just business. I actually have said those words, probably some of the dumbest words I've ever said, but I, that's what I learned. I didn't know any better. I also didn't know that I should share with anybody about what I was going through. I'll tell you what, I, I never told anybody when I was working in New York Medical that I was sober and that I had suffered from depression. There's no way. You know, I was a boss. What would they think of me? I never told anybody except my one boss when I ran the last pediatric practice that I was in recovery because I had people to manage and I didn't want them to judge me and I didn't want to give them any, I didn't want them to think I was a human being, actually. (laughs) I didn't want them to think that I suffered too, like all humans do with emotions and trials and tribulations. Everybody's got shit. Everybody has something, whether it be you or your father or your mother or your sister or your brother or your niece or your nephew, you know, everybody has something. And, um, and I realized almost two years ago now, when I wrote an article about, um, mental health in a local magazine that I was the, uh, health and wellness editor of, for a short time that, uh, and then talked about it in public one night, just, you know, with a room full of people and a panel full of doctors. And then all of a sudden people started texting me. Thank you so much for what you shared tonight. Is there any way I could talk to you? I have a son who's going through a really hard time. He's addicted to drugs. Sharon, can you meet a girl I work with? She is, uh, she's been talking about suicide and I heard what you said. Would, Would you talk to her? And my goodness, like, if there is a better way to live a life, it's to help others. And if you haven't had any experience with that and you're not feeling good about yourself, I highly recommend you get out of self and start helping somebody else. But the first thing we have to do is we have to help ourselves. So I helped myself. And um, when I did get sober, finally, just to leave you with a little what it was like for me, when I was 21 and I got sober for the last time, I went to my dad's EAP counselor. I saw him every Tuesday, like I mentioned. He um, suggested a psychiatrist. A psychiatrist put me on Prozac, 20 milligrams, and I went to see Ben every week. And then after six months, I was weaned off of the Prozac. And then I just kept going to a recovery program. And I kept seeing him until I felt like I didn't need to anymore. And truth be told, I haven't, I haven't been in therapy since because I get, I get therapy every day. And I'm going to tell you the ways I get therapy every day. I listen to podcasts. I listen to Super Soul Sunday, 
with Oprah and all of these unbelievable people that are seeking spiritual health. I listen to Jay Shetty. I listen to Russell Brand. Oh my God, Russell Brand, like to think that he's one of the people that has made me feel the best about talking about this outside of um, a 12-step program is kind of incredible because I was mad at him. I read his book, Recovery. He has a book called Recovery and he has a book called Mentors and I've read both of them. Now, when I say I've read them, that means I've listened to them on audio books. Okay, people, because who the heck has the time to read as many books as I want to consume in a day? And I, I just do it while I'm driving. I do it while I'm walking Charlie Brown. I do it while I'm working out. I do it while I'm riding my bike. And I, uh, I fill my brain with good, positive information. And I listen to other people's struggles. And I see how they've gotten through it. You'd be surprised at how many people actually, like I know everybody knows Eckhart Tolle is so amazing, but you know, he was suicidal and so was, uh, um, the rock. Uh, so well, there's just a list of people that have gone through really, really hard times and that have made something of themselves and adversity tends to be a really great motivator and, I mean, even what I, I posted today on my social media, a time that I, you know, was at a charity event and I, I gave some money to sing on stage with Jesse Campbell, who was on The Voice. And it was a moment that I felt such joy. And I'm so proud now to share the good because there was so much bad and there was so much darkness. And I hear from a lot of people that, you know, social media is really just for people pretending <laughs> that their life is so great. Well, you know, like when your life has been really shitty and then it's been really great, you really don't care anymore what people think. I don't care. I, I have, uh, uh, you know, the most humility about my life and what I've been through myself, but I, I have no shame. And I have no shame about what I've been able to accomplish now, too. And I find that very empowering to people that have suffered and are suffering right now, that there's hope. And there's not just hope, but if you hang in there and you talk to somebody and you, you know, share it with just one person or you message me, I'll call you, you know, you just look me up online and I will be happy to talk to you. I do think that there's a ton of help and social media is helping so many people today. The Jenkins, that woman that does that really funny Facebook live. And now she does like a tour and she wrote a book and I wrote a book and haven't published it yet. I don't know if I will. No, it's definitely getting out. August 11th, my mother's birthday, the day I put down the last drink, I will be, um, the book will be available. So it's um it's it's kind of amazing but when i was in that dark hole i never thought i was coming out and i think one of the gifts that i was given was this recovery program i was able to speak to people on a daily basis as many times as i wanted a day about how i felt what was going on and nobody judged me and nobody told me i was wrong for feeling a certain way or that i shouldn't feel this way or because i have so much I felt no shame. I just had people support. And that is a gift. And I know not everybody has that. Um, but there's other resources today. 
And I, I think that one of the reasons that some of these 12 step programs have worked for, I don't know, 80 years is because there's identification. When we find somebody that's been through a divorce, we want, and we're a divorce, we want to talk to somebody that's been through a divorce. When I hear somebody's a stepmom, I want to talk to them about being a stepmom. When I hear, I'm not divorced. So I got married once, never doing it again. Love my husband. Big shout out to you, Rob Feckety. But um, I for sure, you know, had to do a lot of work on myself. And I was looking for people that were like me and I found them. And now I have all these wonderful entrepreneurs in my life. And I have found that everybody, well, not everybody, but most people are suffering through something. And most of the people that have made it in, in business and in life have gone through some type of adversity. We are some serious hard workers. And um, I know that not everybody has access to maybe the right therapist or the right uh, counselor, whatever it is. But man, there are so many resources. One of the things that I really love, and I wish I could remember the name, but you could probably just Google it, is um, that there's online help that you could like have a therapist that you can chat with online or you can text with or you could Skype with or you could FaceTime, whatever it is. Because I know for sure so many people don't want to physically show up that they're ashamed or maybe their father or their mother told them that it was shameful to get help. Well, the only shame there is is doing nothing about it. There is no shame. And I, um, I, I also hear something that I want to mention before I wrap up is, uh, you know, when you hear that somebody has killed themselves, you hear a lot of, I had no idea. I just talked to that person yesterday. They seemed okay. They seemed fine. Yep. That's, that's what, that's what we do. We don't want you to know. Right. So the strongest people out there and, um, a friend of mine, Ian was one of these people to remind me of this a few years ago that, you know, the strong ones are the ones that you really need to reach out to because the strong ones keep a heck of a lot of stuff buried deep down <laughs> and they don't like to talk about it, but you really, um, you really need to ask your friends that are strong if they're okay too. How are you doing? And, um, you'd be surprised at how many people will open up. So I'm really grateful that I have this, uh, forum to do this, right? I don't have anybody telling me, no, I can't be on a panel or no, I can't be on a podcast because I have my own. And I would recommend that if somebody is telling you, no, you can't, that you just create it yourself. Just go ahead and create a podcast. You know, I'm on my phone right now. I'm driving to St. Petersburg and it looks like it's going to pour. So I'm going to hurry. But, you know, Anchor, it's amazing. I'm not even doing a commercial for them right now. But I believe that there will be a commercial about Anchor somewhere in this podcast at the end. So you too can... um, can talk about it because talking about these things, you are helping so many people and, um, you just got to have a little courage. So I appreciate you tuning in. I appreciate you sharing about the event on the 23rd with somebody that you might think could benefit. And I love you. If nobody has told you that they love you today and be kind to everyone because you never know what somebody's going through. Thank you. Bye. 
Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us today on the podcast. Very excited to bring two beautiful women. Um, Alyssa Palenzuela. Hello. Of 13th Avenue Media. Welcome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> All the way from the office down the hall. That's right. Thank you. <laughs> and um, Michelle from Social Vive. Ay, ay, ay. Perfect. <laughs> Uh, so we wanted to do a wrap-up session of the event that I spoke about mental health um, in the ring, which was a lot of fun. We are in the ring right now, but we're not in the official ring. We're in the senses room. Mm -hmm. So right now we're smelling lovely lavender. I want to see you. Right? And we have um, blue soothing lighting. Yes, indeed. So we'll take it down a notch. <laughs> Is <laughs> everybody relaxed? Really like <laughs> right. <laughs> so we we were talking about a pretty hard topic. Um, one of the uh, funny feedback that I got was, um, "Did you plan that? Did you plan that talk out?" I was like, "Holy crap! I couldn't plan that if I wanted to, mm -hmm. because that's my story, right?" So I told my story that I've been telling for twenty five years. So that to me is like riding a bicycle which to me is actually something I actually do all the time. So I do it all the time. Mm -hmm. So it, it never phases me that I'm saying something incredibly humiliating or personal. <laughs> so that's why I'm, I'm pretty um, purposeful when I ask somebody if they would be willing to share, even being in the room, because, you know, like it's mental health, we we're talking about depression, we we're talking about suicidal thoughts, we we're talking about alcoholism, um, drug addiction, and all those fun things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? To brighten up your Thursday. If you are listening on a Thursday when this comes out. Because as you know, we do it every Thursday. And sometimes we skip it. Um, <laughs> sorry. I know. Just like two no weeks way. went by. Didn't mean it. Mm -hmm. But I'm back. We're back. We're back. We're back. So, Michelle, I'm going to start with you. Yes. What was your... Um, could, did you know my story before you heard it that night? No. Oh, you didn't? Mm -mm. I'm always surprised. No, I, I just assume that people know. Yeah, well, I, I didn't know. I, I knew that... You saw a video, though? You saw me on social talking about it? No? You don't mm -hmm. read anything I post. Great. No, uh, moving no, on. Yes. Alyssa. I, I I'm did, kidding. I'm it, kidding. With the video that I saw, you were not, you were not talking in depth about it. I mean, oh. I knew the situation. Mm -hmm. I knew that you went through, you know, addiction mm -hmm. and mental issues and all of this. But I didn't know the specifics of it. I gotcha. So, so what would you? What was the most shocking then, if you could pinpoint something? Well, the most shocking was everything that you know how you grew up way too fast. I mean, at thirteen, you were mentioning how you were already, mm -hmm. you know, just smoking, going hard. Yeah. I mean, by twenty-one, like you mentioned, right? That's when everybody's excited. Twenty-one, let's go for a drink legally, right. and that's when you. I was stopped exhausted because you already uh -huh. did it all. Right. So I think that was the part that it was the most shocking to me. Yeah, um, especially when you have kids, you think about that. Well, but but you know what? The, and this is what I wanted to say. I, I appreciate and I have friends that I have gone through. So I can relate to what you mm -hmm. were saying because I have friends that have gone through similar mm -hmm. situations when they were younger. Right. And especially when you have kids, you want to you wanna know how to handle this. If, mm -hmm. if that situation comes across with your own kids, how do you handle it? Mm -hmm. Because... Especially with me and our culture, you know. Which is we're what? Strict. What, if anybody can tell. Boricua, <laughs> morena. Um, so, you know, we, we, we have like, we're very, you know, like strict in certain yeah. things and all of that. And you want to make sure that you're not 
punishing them if mm. they're not doing something. Like for example, it came to mind when you mentioned, oh, I like to sit in my room and close, be in the dark, yeah, and be left alone, be in the dark. Well, when I was going through my depression, correct, right? I can't do that now, otherwise, oh, right? I would be you, But it was a reason why you were sure. doing it. It was because you were depressed, right? Well, that made me realize that okay if I see my kid doing that that should be a sign that something is going on Mm -hmm. and try to talk and relate and like you said Mm -hmm. give them love instead of why are you doing this open your blinds you know you see what I'm saying so to me it was it was amazing to hear your story because it was very inspirational oh thanks it was very inspirational and I mean we all go through struggles Mm -hmm. in life we all do and some a little harder some than others. Some more than others. But then I just want to make sure, how do I identify and how do I handle it? How can I help someone? Right. What do you If I don't saying? understand it. Mm-hmm. Right. So to hear someone like you mm-hmm. be so blunt about it and, and tell it how it is and say, this is what I went through. This is what you should do. Mm-hmm. This is what worked for me. Another thing that I really appreciate. Well, that is the difference. It is a... I, I can't tell anybody what they should do. Correct. I can only share my, my experience and what helped me. Right. Because there is, there's different um, options for everybody. Absolutely. Right. And like you said, but I identify with what you mentioned because when you said, you know, I'm not here to, I cannot recommend you a therapist. Mm-hmm. I mean, for some people that works, for you didn't work. Mm-hmm. Until you found out that actually the one that you liked, there was a reason for it. He yeah. did went through it. Yes. in the past and I feel like if that would have been me mm-hmm. I would want someone to help me that have gone through it yeah there's something yeah. about relatability you know I mean? but oh, in, absolutely and and just so you know in the when I went to my first rehab at first uh, when I was 18 that was the first question I would ask the counselor that I was speaking to do you have you been through this have you suffered from alcoholism and and they all of them would tell me I'm, I'm not allowed to disclose that so I don't know if that's an official thing or not, right? Like that somebody's not supposed to disclose that to somebody else. And my therapist, he was an EAP. So we um, absolutely should, it would be great if everybody had their experience. That's why I say sometimes it's not even a therapist that can help you. That's why for me it was continuing to go to a 12-step recovery program for 25 years. I haven't, I haven't even gone back to therapy. Mm-hmm. Because I found a uh, design for living that works for me, that, right. that teaches me how to be accountable and teaches me what to do when I'm feeling a certain way. So uh, sometimes there's, there's more options than the ones that I think even parents offer to us. Mm-hmm. Because maybe they don't know. And they might be going to a professional, like a physician, and the physician might not know because the physician doesn't specialize in that. And again, the physicians provide you with medicine which I'm so against like you just there's the pills and hey it might work for some people I'm not saying but for my personal opinion I can relate a lot with the way that you Mm -hmm. discuss and share how it worked for you Mm -hmm. because I just don't agree with everything is solved with just a pill Mm -hmm. right you know and I don't want that so that there's a there's now this stigma with physicians that's that's all they do so mm-hmm. stigma with everything, right? The stigma with alcoholism, depression, mental health, suicidal thoughts, anxiety, everything. But now doctors are getting, you know, that these guys are just like, they're script happy, mm-hmm. you know? Now, I'm not saying that they're not. I'm saying that there's a, a really vast majority that aren't right. actually. Mm-hmm. But the ones that, <laughs> that are, they really are. I mean, because they are taught that that's what works, right? So mm-hmm. um, 
just being mindful of that, that if you see that with a physician, if you see that it's too quick to write a prescription without being given all the alternatives or choices, that's what I like. I like for there to be options. I like for there to be, you know, have you tried this? Have you tried that? And, um, yeah. So anyway, thank you for sharing that. I Absolutely. Wanna... No, and thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you for doing that because I, I loved it. And I, and I was so sad because I'm like, here I'm crying. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm like, we need Kleenex. And at the end, someone said, they're right behind you. <laughs> Listen, there were certain t- supplies that we knew we needed and one was and a I missed it. box Just of tissues. Yeah, but yeah. You're, I'm telling you, you're a, you're a heck of a woman. Oh, you inspire it, me because that is, that is very challenging. And you, the way you handle yourself especially after all of that and how the kind of woman that you are now. I mean, come on. Please. You, Stop it. I just gave her money. Okay. Alyssa. <laughs> she did. <and> I did. <laughs> yes. So, Alyssa, what, what were your thoughts about the event? Um, just that, I mean, I think we've had this conversation many times in the past, but for the audience, for purposes of the audience, that we have so many similarities mm-hmm. between like you and I. And I think that's the first thing that I was talking to Maria Campos after the event. Mm. She was, you know, asking me a bunch of questions, like what I thought. And I was like, you know, Sharon and I have very interestingly similar stories mm-hmm. in that like I also was very depressed for a long time mm-hmm. and my family handled it the same way that she did. Mm-hmm. Her family did yeah. with her. Right. Meaning right. that which was like just being there, you know, and that's mm-hmm. like what I if I could tell any parent of mm-hmm. any kid what how to best handle if your child is going through depression like that, all the best thing you can do is just be there mm-hmm. and be supportive no matter what. Like mm-hmm. my parents were there for me when I couldn't get out of bed for mm-hmm. days, weeks, not even months mm-hmm. at a time. Um, I didn't work for about a year mm-hmm. and I was very blessed. I was able to live at home with my family who didn't kick me out mm-hmm. and who didn't, you know, pressure me to get a job right. and who didn't pressure me to do anything that I couldn't do, right. which was a lot. I really could not do anything yeah. at the time. It was at the lowest point, you know, mm-hmm. my lowest point, I really wasn't capable of doing anything. Right. And I, the whole time I kept thinking like, absolutely. I'm really glad that yeah. I had a family like your family, yeah. mm-hmm. um, you know, who was there for me at, at that period of time. And, because during the event, someone asked, like, well, what do you do for, you know... Yeah, that was the best. I thought that was great. Like, yeah. when she asked, what do you say if your child tell, yeah. tells you that they're depressed? And my answer was that. Just love them. Mm-hmm. Tell them Just that you there. love them. Like, Because yeah. that is, you know... And I, I did mention that the hardest parts for me were to hear um, from my parents. Because they didn't know any better mm-hmm. at the time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, go out and exercise... You know, if you got if you got a job, maybe you would feel better. If you tried this, you would feel better. If you opened the blinds, you might feel better. Right. All of that um, made me feel worse mm-hmm. because it, there was no solution other than me getting the help that I needed. Me yes. going on Prozac for six months um, while I was going to a twelve step recovery program, and then also having that commonality with people, and 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 knowing that I could go home. And then go back to bed if yes. I wanted to, right? I mean, I I knew that I never had to do anything. That yes. was the best part. Is that, that is the best. If I wanted to sleep all day, which yeah. I could and I did often. Yeah, right. Well, and, I, and I bet that you guys felt safe in a way because yes. you know that you can count on your parents and your yes. parents have your back. No matter yeah. what. Even if you're in that time of, you know, whatever mom, whatever dad, you knew that you can count on them. And that's that was an eye-opener for me to know, like, a friend, my own kids, yes. myself. Whoever, right? Going through you just it, tell me what you need, it, right? You know, the best way possible. I know you can mold it on 
your situation yeah. right. and the option that works for you, but it's good to know that it's okay to just let them be. Yes. Know? That's what I needed. Yeah. yeah. Me too. Just like, thank you for being there, but now can you leave? <laughs> <laughs> but you really can't do that with me. And not everybody has that luxury, right? So I'm oh, very no, sensitive to that. Like we definitely share that commonality of feeling blessed because we realize that a lot of parents would just, they think that if they just got a job or if they just went out or if they just tried, they don't realize that depression is really, it is debilitating is the only word that's coming to mind because that's how it feels. It's like, well, I wish I could, yeah. but like I can't. I'm going to go, but I'm going to look like a zombie. So you're cool with that? Like once we're in the car together and somebody's talking to me and I can't answer them. Mm-hmm. And well, now, you're going to be miserable and you're going to look miserable. And that can't change yeah. because when you're depressed, you like nothing more than to be able to change how your face looks but yeah. it okay. kind of goes back to like yeah like me being able to just wear the same outfit for two days was you know yeah. mm-hmm. very nice and eating at random times and my sleep habits being totally random so that is definitely mm-hmm. allowing somebody to just be you could you could think of it in the way that when somebody passes away in your life right and this is very common this is what happens you're there for them there's the wake there's the funeral they're still there. The family's still in town. A week goes by. Two weeks go by. Three weeks go by. Everybody's gone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And people stop talking. And people about stop it. talking about it. And nobody asks you how you're doing. They want to avoid it because they're so uncomfortable with themselves about asking mm-hmm. about it. But talking about it is okay. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just not expecting much. Just like I'm here for you. I don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. But knowing I'm here for you. Right. Whatever it is. Right. Yeah. And, um, and I think, too, that we need to, to check on our strong people. You know, I just did that yeah. yesterday because a friend of mine um, had lost her dad a year ago. And, and I've been guilty of this myself. Like, I'm thinking of two of my girlfriends that lost their dad not too long, like five years ago. But it's like you don't ask anymore. Mm-hmm. But does, does it mean it goes away? You know, it doesn't. Oh yeah, it doesn't. yeah. I'm, I, I get sad all the time about yeah. it because I, mm-hmm. I mean, I miss his phone calls. Of we course. were really close. Yeah. yeah, and that can really take a toll on your mental health. So, mm-hmm. you know, just telling people that you're there, people don't know what to say. Yeah, that's what you know we find. So, I think that can be a, a wonderful transition to how somebody acts today in their daily life when you've gone through such adversity because you're like, oh, well, let me ask them how they're doing. Mm-hmm. I don't expect anything from you. If you don't want to come, cool. Right. If you don't want to go out, cool. Like, I will have you know, invitations that go out to friends today that say, yeah. now I'm thinking about you coming over and us like hanging out tonight, but I might cancel. Are you going to be okay with that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's my comfort zone. Yeah. You know, I can only be as committal in business. But anyway, because it's Mental Health Awareness Month, I think yes. it's important that, you know, we, we milk this shit as long as possible. Because yes. it's certainly not talked about enough. Mm-hmm. And um, we, I believe that if medication helps, great. But there's, there's, there's no time in my life unless you have a diagnosis that I'm ignorant about, which are many. I'm talking like schizophrenia, bipolar disorder. I don't know about that. But I think that medication for life isn't always the way. I think that medication until you get better, medication with somebody that is monitoring you mm-hmm. and then weaning mm-hmm. off because then you just stay on something and you can't move. I'm doing a lot with my hands right now mm-hmm. and I'm the only one it. in the room you, you, that's you, you, Irish. You're, you're, you're <laughs> very Puerto Rican right now. I am Puerto Rican, <laughs> ta- yes. 
Well, thank you so much, both of you, for coming and supporting, and thank then also being yes. willing to talk about it. Thanks for putting the event together. Yes. We yes. Do and we'll thank do, you for sharing. And we'll story. do another, and that's, you know, because somebody had asked on Facebook when we, I was going to do the next one. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to do the next one, but, like, what do you want, what do you want me to talk about? What do you want, you know, what should we discuss next? Mm -hmm. You know, I'll tell my story, but some people are going to get sick of hearing that story over and over again. Um, But I think that it's worth doing. So hit us up on the DM and have a great day. Bye. Bye.